Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Climate Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Ronaldson and I'm joined this evening by Matt Kendrick. Um, the mood of this podcast is probably very different than I thought it was going to be 60 minutes into the game this evening. And Matt, you must be in jubilant mood because just before we've come on air, we've, we've remarked at how much weight you've lost. You look, you look very well. Congratulations to you. Well, yeah, I was getting at you on um, to change that banner picture that makes me look like Keith Wyness yeah, during his time. Enough, yeah. During his heavier days. Um, yeah, that was at the start of the season when we did the preview, and you have lost a lot of weight since then, so yeah, yeah fair play to I've you. I've lost two stone. Did you, not, did you not follow my Twitter religiously? I've tweeted today my two stone Slimming World Award, saying, mind, saying the best thing about COVID Christmas is that <laughs> it's the forced weight loss. But anyway, it's not about me. It's about Aston Villa. It is indeed. And before we get into the, the nuts and bolts and all, all the details, because I'm pretty much, I was going through it on the, on the way back of, of what we're going to talk about in my head, and we'll pretty much go through most individuals to be honest but before we do get into all that just give me your kind of 60 second 90 second match review and, and how you're feeling of what you've seen this afternoon um i went there with a, a, a degree of excitement which is one like me a cynical old man like me uh that was quickly um you know <laughs> knocked out of me within within the first five or ten minutes shot ourselves in the foot didn't we uh on two occasions and you know mm. i've just i've just before we, we jumped on air i've just familiarise myself with a match by looking at the quick YouTube highlights. Did I have made save after save after save? You know, a lot of them you'd expect him to make. But yeah. just I don't want to be too too downbeat because we've 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 plucked a point from the jaws of defeat. But it just shows that they were there for the taking. If we hadn't have been yeah. architects of our own downfall by gifting them two goals, I think we I think we could have ended this what is it, nineteen ninety five? What's that, twenty seven years? I think we could have ended yeah. that record today. If you can't Beat beat that Man United at Villa Park, you know, and how poor they are. Really, let's be honest. You can't beat that that Man United. Then destined to roll on and on and on. But the the revival was was brilliant. It was just Villa Park was just absolutely bouncing. Uh, I thought I was going to lose my voice for the way we celebrated the, the equaliser. Um, and I thought the United fans were, uh, you know, were a decent, decent bunch today in terms of made a lot of noise. So it was just so gratifying to to shut them up and turn that kind of yeah. away and silent. Um, so it's brilliant. I think, you know, perhaps if it had been, we'd have had another five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I think Villa probably would have forced the issue and perhaps could have gone and win it. But considering, like you said, after 70 minutes to to come out of that with, with two brilliant goals, a draw, um, Jacob Ramsey scoring in, in front of the whole end and, and, and Coutinho announcing his arrival. It was, you know, it was brilliant. So let, let's just let's just dwell on the, the last 20 rather than the, the, the mistakes before it, I think. Yeah, you are correct, but we are going to go through the first half regardless because we've got to do it in some kind of chronological order. Let's get the bad out of the way before we talk about the good. Team news comes out, everyone's excited. Luca Dean's in at left-back, which was expected. And Are we agreeing on Dean yeah. for the pronunciation? 
I've seen a video. Just take the it's easy. Otherwise, my voice is going to go all over the place. Like, um, you know, when Joey Barton played in France, and you know, when people pick up these. These weird actors. Let's just go with Dean. I can remember that. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with Dean. I've seen him say it, and it's like Dean. Yeah, someone said it's a bit like lasagna, but I'm going. I'm going Dean. Just Dean. It's easier. Um, yeah. yeah, he's in there as we expected, um, and Coutinho on the bench again, probably as we expected. It and a, a cameo from him is what we were hopeful for. And yeah, five minutes in, <laughs> you kind of go, well, VAR doesn't matter tonight. The referee was poor again, but hopefully that doesn't affect it. Let's just throw a goal in instead. <laughs> Let's give Man United the head start. And uh, yeah, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time I was fuming. But Martinez doesn't make mistakes too often, so as we do when a player makes a mistake, you just support them, sing the name and, and crack on and hope you've still got 85 minutes to rectify it, haven't you? Yeah, I was a little bit baffled, to be honest, about how the how the goal went in because I sit level with the North Stand penalty box uh, yeah. up high in the Trinity. Uh, so didn't have the best view of it in the world at the time. Managed to see, see a clip back of it at, at, at half-time. I think it's just, a, I don't know who takes the free kick, but there's just a tiny little touch on it that's quite yeah. discreet, isn't it? And I think... That kind of unsettles Villa because they're not quite prepared, and like Bruno advances and takes the shot. And I don't know what Martinez is. He obviously feels guilty from the, from the mistake, but I don't know what he's trying to claim has happened because Cavani flicks out a boot and distorts Martinez's vision of it. But Cavani's well on side, so he's, he's you know he's more than within his rights to do that. You know, you don't you don't expect a goalkeeper as reliable as Martinez to be kind of nutmegged from the uh, the edge of the yeah. box, do you? But credit to him, I thought he kind of dealt with it quite quickly. I think he made a, a, an important save about five or ten minutes later. You know, didn't affect his confidence. You know, still came for crosses. Still was the yeah. Martinez that we we know and love. Um, but that to me, that goal and that mistake, and I, th- I don't, I think we've been camped in our half for a lot of the opening. Yeah, we didn't touch the ball the for the first four or five minutes anyway. Yeah, until then, anyway. But I think that set the tone. I thought, I thought we were already a bit nervous, which is strange, being as we bossed them, uh, you know, just five days ago. Um, it's difficult, really. Cause in the sorry, in the post-match podcast we did for the the cup game, we said, "How do Villa react to this? Do they kind of come out like a wounded animal and think, oh, we feel hard done by by Monday? Uh, you know, kind of feel sorry for themselves today and do nothing, which is what they did do, or will they be you know pumped up and feel the injustice and want to go out and prove a point?" And I thought that's how Gerald would get us. I thought they'd be fired up and you know fly into an early tackle or something and really kind of set the tone from that, but. And we didn't barely get a chance to touch the ball in the first two, three, four minutes. And then the goal comes on, on five, I think it is. And you're already going, well, we've got a lot of work to do to even to get back into this now. Um, so, yeah, the whole whole first half really was was pretty poor. But the first 30 minutes in particular was was rubbish from Villa. I, I don't know. It's not like it's two different sides that played on Monday and today. They're like it's the same first 11 playing in both games against the same opponent. And against them in the cup, we, we absolutely bossed them. And, and deserve to go through in the end. Um, and today, first 30 minutes, we just gave them too, too much respect, made it far too easy for them to just play their game. And that's not the, the Gerrard's Villa that we're used to. No, I think the McGinn factor <laughs> told for me during yeah. the first half an hour because I think we were a bit standoffish and I don't think McGinn would have allowed that. I think he, you know, even when he's not having his best game, he's still tearing around. He's still, he's still kind of setting that tempo. And I think we started slowly. That goal shocked us and stunned us and there just seemed to be a, a level of nervousness that you you wouldn't really expect um like I say you wouldn't expect from from Gerard's team to to be fair you know the, even in the first half even we, we eventually played our way into it and I think was it did 
um Buendia had a heady chance, didn't he? I think that was that, that yeah. was saved towards the end of the year. Um, corner, I think. Yeah, that's it, yeah. But um, I'll tell you what, what frustrated me is that we've got Dean making himself, you know, the fullbacks play so high and you've got Dean making himself available down that left-hand flank. I think Toro Mings passed to him less than he would have done Matty Target. It's I don't funny know, you say that. Am I being harsh there? He just, no, he just no. didn't seem to want that option. There was a few times where it, it felt like I don't think Dean had the best game ever. I thought he, I thought he was an improvement on that target. Certainly going forward, you can see his, his delivery is far better. That corner that you just mentioned for for Brendia. I mean, Brendia winning a header in a corner and having an opportunity at five foot six or whatever he is. The delivery for that corner is, is very good. But yeah, there was times where you just thought he kind of looks a, li- a little bit like a player that's not played for six weeks and he's playing with the new teammates. Because there was a few times where he was on in loads of space and the ball didn't come. And you think, why is that ball not going to the left-hand side? And it's probably just a, that bit of rustiness and maybe a bit of building partnerships and building trust and stuff and that will hopefully come when the rest of his teammates see how good he is going forward. Yeah, I mean, it frustrated the hell out of me, Dan, at times because I know we've yeah. got a different perspective because, you know, we sit removed from it. So I know it's not that easy when you, you're there on the pitch to see the gaps that we can necessarily see. But, I mean, it was evidenced by me, first half, Tyron Mink passed the ball straight out of play because he wasn't <laughs> expecting his left back to be quite high up, quite as high up as he was. Um, and I think it was actually... It was actually probably Courtney Hawes when he came on uh, in the second half. And even though he was playing right of the two, who was looking down that left flank and, and trying to release um, Dean more, more often than Mings. Uh, I'm normally the, the biggest biggest defender, if you like, of, of Tyrone Mings. And he frustrated me. He just frustrated me because he kept turning inside and trying to build, build moves to the middle of the park when there was clearly an option on the left. But to be fair to him, and I know we'll come to this eventually, I think it was him who made. Was it? The, was it this, the first goal or the second goal when Ming stepped stepped uh, out? And, it was the Coutinho goal, I think. Yeah, so it's it's that kind of being able to kind of take a few more chances and a few more risks, and that obviously mm. co- obviously comes with confidence when Villa were back in the game. Um, but I think, yeah, I think at times because that there was the the setback of that early early goal, I think Villa tried to play safe a little bit more, too much and perhaps give Man United too much respect when if they if they would have been the way that we saw them in the last 20 minutes, that game was winnable and easily yeah. winnable, I think. Why do you think that first half played out in that manner then? Is it is it the, the hangover from the Cup game? Is it missing McGinn? Is it as simple as that? We'll talk about the midfield in more depth in a second and the individuals in it. But yeah, what did you think of of that first half and why it, why it was like that? Because you just think, oh, we did the, the first podcast we did of the new year, we kind of said, like, oh, let's set a, a new year's resolution for Villa. And mine was that like, I want to see Villa play for a full 90 minutes. We only have these performances where we only show up for a half or we play for half an hour. Why can't we play a full 90? I know we're not this elite team that can dominate a game for 90 minutes. We're not, not Manchester City, but there's certain games where you can play like that. Why do we only show up for 45 minutes or 20 minutes? I think it's because that's where we are in our evolution and our development at the moment. Not only is it being able to string a performance out throughout the 90, I think a lot of our players... 80% brilliant and then 20% a little bit less than that. And But that 20% is so costly. I mean, I thought Buendia was, and I've been a, a harsh crit- critic of his, I thought he was really, really good today. I thought probably yeah. one of the best performances I've seen, at him, seen from him. But even then, and I don't want to dig him out because I've just said, said how, how, how good he was, but there's that, that little one, you know, the best teams just kind of build momentum and are so relentless with it that they don't, you know, they don't give the ball up when they when they build that momentum. Almost like you know, a cow, a, cow, a kind of snake would would kind of <laughs> you know absolute 
No, but you absolutely kind of, you know, devour its prey, but but squeeze the life out of it first and then yeah. do it. I think with Villa, you get the feeling that they're building and building and building and squeezing the life, and then they'll just be such a, a stupidly unnecessary lax pass, or somebody will spin into danger when there's an easy five-yard ball on. And all of a sudden, it gives the the opposition that tiny bit of respite, and you've got to start building the momentum again. And I think that that's what that's what frustrates frustrates me. And I think the good, the really good elite teams, and that's the word that Gerard uses, elite. He wants everything to be elite. Is even when they've got that kind of head of steam up, sometimes the basic simple pass is the thing that will maintain that. It doesn't need to be the kind of fancy turn or whatever. And this is not, that's not just that, you know, I thought Buendia was, was very, very good. But this, another example is, is Matty Cash. When he plays on instinct and he doesn't have to think and he's just kind of 100 miles an hour, give me the ball, let me let me bump forward, let me move the ball quickly, let me give and go. I think he's brilliant. But there's sometimes, there's that one when he chipped chip the ball across his own penalty area. Yeah. Um, in the second half, and it's those little things. Um, I'm not saying that we expect players to be perfect, mm. but you've just got to kind of think: well, build the momentum, build the momentum, so we don't give, we don't give, we don't let our opponents off the hook. And I think today was a big example of where we 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 let them off the hook. Really. Let's talk about some some individuals. Then we talked about the defense a little bit, so we'll we'll kind of wrap up that segment with with Dean's debut and what you thought of him. And also give us a quick mention for Courtney Hawes coming in and, and the injury to console. I've not seen anything since. I don't know whether Gerard's mentioned that. It looked like he was holding like his rib or like these like his back. I think somewhere. It was his hip, you know. I think he got a smack. <clears throat> he got I don't I don't know who took him out, but he, he, he didn't get booked for it, did he? He got a smack just before no. half time. He can't um, can't try to soldier on, went into half time and, and Hawes didn't come out to warm up, so you assumed he's probably getting the team talk to come on and then Conce comes out for a little bit of a trot and goes, oh no, <laughs> don't fancy that, too painful. The comments will probably um, correct us if there's been anything, like they've just corrected that Ming's coming forward us with a Ramsey goal, not the Coutinho goal, but it all blows into one. Um, so yeah, just give us your thoughts on Dean and uh, and Hawes' second half, please. Yeah, I thought I thought Dean was... I thought he was fairly... Fairly steady defensively. I thought he did. I thought he did a, a decent job. I don't don't think he looked particularly troubled down that front. You can just see him. To, to me, and this is, I don't want to praise somebody and be be too negative about Matt Target, but Dean, on the basis of ninety minutes evidence uh, today in a Villa shirt, looks like he. To me, when 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 Target Target sometimes plays left back. So much greater standard, but how I used to play left back as a, as a, as a young man, where he's, I never crossed the halfway line. You know, I used to be be so kind of concerned about not you know not conceding goals, like an old fashioned left back. And I think Target sometimes when he gets forward doesn't feel doesn't back himself and doesn't have the confidence. Perhaps when when Grealish was with him, he did, but doesn't have the confidence to, to make things happen in a positive way in forward areas. But Dean is like. I want to play. I want to push on as much as I possibly can. That's the role I've been asked, asked to play. And I'll back myself in those areas. Um, you know, I think I watched the Clown Blue podcast the other day. I think it was Pat who was saying that pace-wise, you know, he's he, he probably not going to be that much difference with Target, but he backs himself with his delivery. Um, and he, he wants the ball in attacking areas and he can deliver it. Um, so I thought I thought he was good. I can I can understand why, why Gerard wanted him. Um I think in terms of, I did get worried when he got booked within the first twenty minutes. I thought yeah. one of those, one of those debuts. But um, I thought he was decent, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing seeing more of him. Um, I thought Cornelius did 
<laughs> did well. The bloke who sits, sits next to me in the Trinity, because like I say, Konza did a little bit of an aborted, you know, little kind of fitness test and decided he wasn't enough. And then no sooner as Konza, Courtney Horse must have just been waiting at the top of the tunnel, <laughs> I think, because no sooner has one gone down, the other one comes back out. The bloke next to me said, well, they're warming him up but he's going to be playing the right side of Tyro Ming and every touch that he's had so far has been with his <laughs> been with his left foot. And I think pretty much every touch that he had during the course of the game was with his left foot. But I thought he was um I thought he was good. I thought he I thought he was was mm. decent. Uh, yeah. I actually thought that unless I'm remembering it incorrectly, I thought Villa pretty much had control of the second half. Yeah. Anyway. Second half was so much better. When when Horse was coming on, I was slightly concerned about having two left-footed centre backs playing a back two just because of, of balance. There was one one uh, moment in particular when nothing came of it, but Horse received a back pass or something. And if he was a right-sided player, he just clears it up down the line and we carry on. But he kind of had to turn back on his left to deal with it. And you think, Christ, just please don't make a silly mistake here. Um, but ultimately, obviously, nothing nothing happened anyway. Um, I don't really mind Courtney Horse. I think he did a good job. I'd want Constant Strike back in there as soon as he's fit, of course, regardless of how well does how well Horse does in his absence because. Concer is the better player. You're just hoping that hopefully, obviously, Concer's back for everything. But if he's not, there is that little two week gap to, and then the FA Cup, um, the FA Cup weekend, isn't it? Obviously, whether Villa have a, a fixture rearranged, whatever is to be seen. So there's a bit of time to recover if there's an injury there, but straight back in the side, isn't he, when he's fit? I think so, yeah. Um, I actually feel we're a little bit light. I was chatting to my nephew on the on the way, way back to the car. But I don't know whether anybody's, I've not been able to listen to any of Gerard's post match. I don't know whether there is an update. Uh, on, on concert, but I think Mings, Ming, if he's not back, it's not ideal having two left footers, but I think Mings and Hawes can, can be a partnership for a couple of weeks if needs be. But you just won't worry what happens to one of those. Who Who is the next? Yeah. You know, I don't think you're brave enough to bring a, a, a kid from the from the under-23s up into the first team at, at centre-half. So, what happens? Does well, you know, I've probably been a defeatist by even thinking about it because you've got to be the Cotters <laughs> back and we've got this core of three three solid options again but does Douglas Louise go, go in there you know I don't I don't think any of your fallbacks are necessarily right for right for that role um, so oh, let's hope we don't need to worry about it <laughs> yeah let's get Milia Dinat back, back in centre back he's still around the place yeah. somewhere move on to midfield then this is the I was about to say that this is the, the probably the biggest debate I've seen on social media about how the midfield performed and I was going to say that it's the same in our YouTube comments <laughs> on the side here but the comments yeah. are all are talking at the moment about Watkins or Rings so We'll get to that in five minutes or so because that's a, another debate to be had. Yeah. The midfield, it's obviously a game of two halves, so you have to kind of respect that the first half was pathetic and the second half was, was much improved. So you've got to take kind of rating players and stuff into account that they had a good half and a bad half. But when Sanson got pulled off, whenever that was, poor wording, when Sanson got substituted off, um, I was thinking, I think Ramsey was the, the sub there. And I know Ramsey goes on to be involved in the yeah. goals, but I don't think Ramsey was having a great game up until that point. I thought of the three midfielders, Sanson was the best one, then uh, Ramsey <coughs> and then Louise third, I, I would put personally. But then just five minutes ago, someone in the comments said that Sanson was poor and Ramsey was classed or not. I don't know whether that's based off the full 90, but up until that substitution, I thought that was the wrong move from Gerard. I mean, ultimately, it was proved right. I, I almost got a water bottle to the head from Sansa when he walked off. Um, but I didn't think that was the right sub. I don't think Ramsey was at his best for most of the match. But what I really like about Ramsey is he never hides. Oh, you yeah. know, even even if he wasn't at his best, he still shows for the ball. He still works hard. I think for me, because your fullbacks are trying to push push so high, Sansa was almost probably a little bit inhibited. I mean, that's the role he has to play if your fullbacks pushing high. But he, he was almost playing as a kind of makeshift fullback. At, at, at times, um, 
And I don't know. Do 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 you think Gerard hooked him because of the goal? Because of the the, the back pass. Um, which could be a fitness me, thing. A couple in the comments were saying it might be a fitness thing. He still needs games, and he's still kind of getting up to speed, which which is fair. For me, I just thought the substitution was Ings off for Coutinho or Chukwemeka or whoever. I thought I that think was it might have been five minutes previously, but I think he thought because two 0 down might as keep as many attacking players on the pitch as possible. I thought Gerard should have made the change five minutes earlier. Um, I thought we got momentum, but weren't quite there. Um, and then we go and give give them that second goal. I just thought that the goal, that Samson's kind of underhit back pass for the goal and the frustration, it kind of summed up his time at Villa for me. You know, you just think, give the goal a break. He's finally got a kind of, a, you know, he's got a start in a Premier League game. He's got an opportunity to impress. He's done pretty well for most of well along with everybody in terms of the improvement from second half yeah. to first half. Um, but, you know, he's played he's played that ball blind and sod's law. You know, I mean, let's, let's talk about Bruno's miraculous recovery. I, di- I didn't think he was going to be leaving that stadium in anything other than a stretcher on the back of an ambulance. It's the way that he was stumping the ground, he was writhing around in agony. I thought, my life. I mean, I'd love to interview him on like match of day at the end and say, you know, Bruno, did you think at that time it was going to be a life-threatening, kind of career-threatening injury because you seem to be in such pain and such discomfort. And all of Is that the one of, when he went down kind of claiming a head injury to stop us breaking and then five minutes later he was up running around? He's down rolling around on the floor and then all of a, all of a sudden, a little kind of Portuguese Kermit, he's not only back on the pitch, but he's, <laughs> he, he, can not, he can run through. He can run through, you know, it's a fair, fair finish to be fair. And he can still, he's still got the energy to run through, through run across to the fans as well. And I just thought... I hate all that. I hate all that. I'm glad, it was also glad like Villa Park peak, gave him the reception he deserved, to be fair. It was also like peak Villa timing for me, because then you see that uh, just before that, you see Coutinho. Obviously, I'm right down by the, the dugout. You see him, got the shirt on. He's going, oh, Coutinho's coming on. Oh, here we go. This is exciting. And he's standing there ready to come on. And he, uh, Fernandez bangs that one in off the crossbar. Was he already stripped was, and ready, was he, before that goal? Well, I think so. I'm pretty sure yeah. I remember looking over. I mean, I could misremember it. I'm pretty sure he's ready to come on. And I'm just, uh, he's about to be announced. And I'm just, I just said to my dad, What's the point now, though? Two 0 down. Like even this like special thing of, of getting Coutinho in is now ruined because uh, Fernandez has blasted that one in. My dad absolutely hates Fernandez. There's, there's, he just cannot stand him. He's called him all kind of names. Um, I tweeted before we came on. Who's the most? You know, who's, which player in the Premier League do you dislike the most, and why is it Bruno Fernandez? And all the replies just like, yeah, he's up there as one of the worst. Just can't stand him. I mean. He's, Chips in with goals and stuff. He's obviously. Well, United yeah. fans, I know he scored twice. United fans were like singing, singing about him for about three or four minutes non-stop after that goal. And I thought he's gone missing for most of the season. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's partly responsible for Solskjaer getting the sack, and all of a sudden you got this this love for him. Well, I suppose that's football fans, isn't it? That's football fans prerogative. Can't stand him. Cannot cannot stand him. Someone wants to score both goals as well. It's just typical, isn't it? Typical Villa. Um, I just like the I like the idea of coming back and they feel like it's a defeat. It's you know Scouser Steven yeah. Gerrard at the helm and Coutinho putting the putting the second goal in. You know, they'll come away from that absolutely gutted to to lose a two 0 uh, lead and it feels a bit like a win for us as well. So I said the United fans were good. I think they were in terms of the the noise that they made, but the arrogance. Of those, yeah, of those, yeah, that yeah, fan base, yeah, you know, yeah. you only come to see United. Do you know what I mean? And I just think, really? And something like, have you ever seen seen Gerard win the league? You know, have you ever seen Ranjit win the league? <laughs> yeah. I don't think you will. <laughs> anyway, I've not seen Gerard win the league. Doesn't matter. Exactly that. Who's that? Is that aimed at us? 
Well, no, we haven't seen him win the league. We don't live in Glasgow. Um, where were we before that? We talked about Sanson a little bit and Ramsey, but yeah. Coutinho coming on. The... Go on, Coutinho coming on. Go on then, go for that. Like you said, what's the point, 2-0 down? I actually kind of like was thinking, no pressure, Phil. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go, go make it happen. Coutinho comes on five minutes before Fernandez scores that second and they go two up. You kind of think there's a there's a bit of a surge then and a bit of bite about yeah. us and we, we maybe go on to, to get more out of it. But even to come back from 2-0 down is... Is worth shouting about. I'm not going to you know, be disappointed if you said take a point when Fernandez sticks that one in. You absolutely would take it. Looked pretty bright in his little spells. He had some nice touches. And then obviously the goal goal as well. Um, I saw someone say disappointing to tune in and see that it was only a tap in and not a, a classic Coutinho you know, drifting through people. They all count. Yeah, played I well. And both the a... goals were really beautiful goals. To be fair, perhaps yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking too much of it because it, it was such dramatic, so dramatic. But I thought they were really, really well worked goals and the Coutinho goal. Come... Did the Coutinho one come through, through one of the whores balls out to the left as well? And then Dina put in to Ramsey, is that right? Or am I, again, oh, I can't remember. Like, I I've only watched it about 10 minutes ago. And I, 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 only, I only saw it once in the stadium. I mean, I should remember it. It was only like an hour ago. But yeah, you know, if that's not a, you know, if that's an out of form, not fully fit Coutinho, there's there's a player in there, isn't there? <laughs> it just, to me, it just seems so, so laid back. And he knows that the hype is all around him, you know, he, trots out and claps the crowd as they, they unveil him or whatever. But he just think, it's just, yeah, this is my job. I'm, this is what I'm here to do, you know. <laughs> Let the circus carry on. I'm just here to, to, to come and make things happen. Um, but I, I, the thing that I really, really loved about the Coutinho goal was how close Varane was to trying to get a boot when, when Ramsey squares it across the box. And you're thinking, oh no, it's going to be one of those ones where he's just just out of reach, and it kind of misses misses his toenail by about you know a millimetre, and then um, Super Phil's there to smash it in from close range in front of the whole end. Brilliant! I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was. Um, I'd love. I prefer the victory, but I actually liked the bit that they were crowing about it. They were they were buzzing. They were thinking that they they got it all sussed, and then all of a sudden, nah, nah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on on Man United just as a, as a club and, and kind of not it's not a rival with with them but there's a lot of people around me in, in the stadium today that kind of you know hate Man United I can't stand them we never beat them all this kind of thing what's your kind of like take on it because obviously you've seen us in the nineties where we've you know been able to beat them not being able to beat them for, for how long. Because we're so close that that first Premier League, you know, we've got. A, I can't remember that. I can't remember the, the goals from tonight. So I can't remember what lead we had in the Premier League title race under Big Ron. But we all, always, as Villa fans, we always see things as you know that as a crossroads. That was our moment. If we'd have won that first mm-hmm. Premier League title rather than blowing it, would we have? You know, I'm not sure we'd have gone on to build the Fergie Fergie dynasty at Old Trafford under Big Rod or Brian or anything. But it was just, they kind of pulled the rug from us. And that pivotal, this is the way I see it. There's probably fans of different yeah, different yeah. generations. They pulled the rug and they went on from that. Used, they used that as a springboard to really kick on at the time when the Premier League exploded. The money in the game was ridiculous. And we didn't. And it was like... It, was that our missed opportunity? Opportunity was it sliding doors moment? Could we have gone a different way? And then you know, so I mean, we've beaten in 1995 with the you know can't beat can't win anything with kids. We beat them in in 94 in the cup final, obviously. But since then, it's been such slim pickings. You know, Gabby scored yeah. the winner at Old Trafford how many how many years ago, and we got the win there this year. I mean, it's just. 
we, I feel we, we're more level with them. You know, they're still, in terms of the budget and the expectations and what they should be delivering, they're still a long way off, off us. But I think we're closer to them than we've been. So it's frustrating that, you know, I think we could have beaten them three times this season. Yeah, I really 100% agreed, um, yeah. So and I think it's that. I think it's this this arrogance, which you can understand the arrogance if Fergie's still in there and they're winning the title or the mm. double or the U- European Cup so many times. But they just also runs now. So don't don't give it the bigger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 100% agreed. I uh, look in that team they play today and you just think it's a mediocre average Premier League side. If it, you know, like if this is, you could kind of simulate it, the best ever performances the Man United players could, could give, they all could do a 10 out of 10 and the Villa squad could all give a 10 out of 10 for the course of a season. I think Man United and Villa would finish pretty much level. They're not like this elite team that, uh, that like they used to be. That's the worst side I can think of that Man United have had. And they had some kind of poor players towards the end of the Ferg era, but it's still Alex Ferguson's still there. They're still this team that are winning things. Now they're just an average side. There's, there's nothing that special about them apart from the odd big name in there, like Fernandez and, and Pogba and people like that. But some of the players that are in that squad, I, I wouldn't swap them for, for who we've got. No, I mean, I'm, I don't really want to talk about them anymore, to be honest, because I'm sick of them. Um, but yeah, they <laughs> Then you know, I remember seeing great, really, really great Man United sides who just you, you know would would turn the screw and would would demolish you each time. Mm. Uh, they're not there now, so let's try and beat them while we while we're getting closer to them. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on from them. Let's talk about another debate that we're probably all sick of hearing about: Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins. Can they play together? Can they not? Should it be one or the other? Should one play out wide? Should one play at ten? It's the debate that's ongoing. Uh, there was a question on the radio actually on the way back. I think it was WM, and they said if you were offered a refund on Danny Ings and you could get your money back and send him back to Southampton, would you do it? I'm keen to see what you think. I don't think I would, you know, because I think I don't think he suddenly becomes a bad player overnight. I wouldn't get them both in the same team, but I'd like I'd like Ings as an option off the bench. Um, mm. You know, I wouldn't because who, who do you replace with? Really, what proven Premier League players? It doesn't have to be a proven Premier League player. You could buy somebody from the other side of the world or the best of across Europe. But I don't think either of them were particularly great tonight. I thought yeah. that I thought that Ings looked a little bit lost and a little bit pedestrian when he was kind of pulling out wide. But even when he was up against Varane, I don't think he won much. I don't think he got much change out of Varane anyway, either in the air or on the floor, uh, which. <laughs> I suppose what you know it's going to be like that, isn't it? You know, Varane is probably one of the world class players that that, that United have got. But I thought he was, yeah, a bit, you know, just a bit redundant today. Didn't didn't you know? Didn't contribute too much. Watkins to me, I think Watkins can be lively, but sometimes he can, do you think he dawdles in possession sometimes? Or am I being a bit harsh? No, I, I think, think you're sometimes right. he, he doesn't protect the ball quite as well as he should. Uh, whether that's because people aren't getting near enough to him, I don't know. But I think sometimes we can get caught because we expect Watkins to to look after the ball better. And then again, it's like I said earlier about Buendia and some of the and Ramsey did it a couple of times as well. You do the hard bit. You you drop your you yeah. win the ball. You drop your shoulder. You kind of extricate yourself from the defender and get in a bit of space, and then you give the ball away. Yeah. And I think that we've got a few players who do that. And that, that that's what I think is is one of the things, you know, when I said we're 80% good and 20% bad, if we can get that that little bit of when we've got control of the ball, 
be ruthless. I don't mean ruthless in finishing. Obviously, we're doing it to be ruthless in finishing, but be ruthless in making sure that we keep teams pinned back by keeping possession and, mm-hmm. and using the ball wisely. Uh, so, to me, when is the next game? Is it Everton? It was Everton next Saturday. Is that a Saturday lunchtime one? It's 12.30, I think. It's on yeah. Sky will be to, I don't know which one. So, to me, your front three is... It's, Buendia, Watkins, and um, that new kid, what's his name? You know, the, the, what's his name? Bill. Uh, little Phil. <laughs> yeah. So, I think yeah. it's that. I think it, I think it has to be. I think McGinn back in. I think, I really feel for Samson because I do think that's probably cost him his place. No, that mistake. He mm. probably would have lost his place anyway because I think McGinn would have been, would have been back in that team. But I think that's almost sealed it. Uh, and you? I think his frustration was not at being taken off. I don't think his frustration was why have I undermined an encouraging performance with that stupid mistake. Um, and I think he's apologised on Instagram, hasn't he? By saying, listen, yeah. you know, sorry for the goal and sorry sorry for my overreaction and sorry for smacking a bottle of Lucasade off, off Dan's dad's face or whatever he did. <laughs> it wasn't really anywhere near us. We're, I think we're row nine or something, but you did see this massive like spray of liquid come over the first two or three rows and you kind of look over and think, Christ, what was that? And Sanson storms off into the dugout. I mean, I think, I think all the money they spent on pyrotechnics at the start of the game, all you need is to get Morgan Sanson to go around booting bottles and it'll have the, <laughs> have the same effect. Thing is, if you'd have if you'd if you'd have put as much kind of welly into his back pass as you did into <laughs> into volume the bottles, then it wouldn't have you know wouldn't have got into that mess in the first place. So I do feel for him because he clearly, clearly cares, doesn't he? He wants to be a yeah. success in the league. There's part of me that kind of likes that reaction to go, he obviously cares rather than coming and sulking off and sitting there and thinking, oh, I don't really care what happens here. But yeah. also part of me thinks, don't be a child. Like, come on, it's, it's yeah, a team it's, game, isn't it? Someone's come on to take your place to hopefully try and get back in the game, which is what happened to your teammate now. Yeah, it's the, it's the Ross Barkley um, effect, mm. I call it, because he used to have that sulky strop, didn't he, every every other week. Um, but yeah, Can so you... I, think, I think that's cost him his play. Well, I think he... I think McGinn would have been back in anyway, if I'm being honest. Can you play McGinn, Sanson and Ramsey as a three? If you play Ramsey, Sanson and McGinn, McGinn in there, which one are you thinking sits the deepest, Sanson? I think Sanson drops off slightly, yeah? And yeah. kind of sits back and pings balls around a little bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. I, I think, like you said, people were saying that the Man United, the, the Man United game in the Cup, is it time to give Ramsey a rest? And for probably 60, 70 minutes tonight, you probably thought, Ramsey probably does need to be pulled out of the game. You've not mentioned um, Chocolate Maker, who I thought came on and made it. I thought all the substitutes did well. I thought he, yeah. I thought he really started bringing a little bit of the the physique and the kind of grit yeah. and the, that that long that long those long legs. I thought he kind of really got stuck in with that today. I think he was, again, God, I'm hopeless. I'm sorry about this. I should have a better better short term recall than this. But it, wasn't he involved in the first goal? I think as well. Why are you asking me for as if I'm supposed to know? I mean, I'm just as bad one of the goals. One, one of the games where he's involved in a little give and go around the edge as well. And um, I thought, does he come into the fact that is he factored in, or is the contract wrangle or whatever still mm. Stephen Gerrard keeping him a little bit at arm's length and not not giving him too much too soon? I don't know. I think he's probably. I think he probably is best to keep introducing him from the bench. For now, for, for now, I think I think Ramsey's performances at the moment are, just, are what's keeping him out, and McGinn coming back. I think if Sam McGinn was suspended for another game, and Ramsey was was had maybe struggled today and didn't didn't kind of turn on from from sixty minutes onwards. You might be looking at a chuckle maker start, but 
it, something in my brain. I don't know why, how I explain this, but it feels like we're a little bit away from Chuckamaker starting games. I don't know how I back that up and what I based that off, but that's just I how think, I feel. I think, that's right. I think, you know, and I, I actually think it will be. I think Douglas Louise will start again. I think it'll be McGinn and I think it'll be Ramsey. I'd have thought so, yeah. Fitness permitting. Back to the Ings Watkins thing very quickly. But what's, how do you fix that? Is Danny Ings too good of a player to be a, a substitute to spend thirty million on him and have him as backup? Funny, but we've just signed Coutinho. You know, we've signed Dean. This is in January. You know, I don't know Coutinho's only only alone, but this is in January. So we've got ambitions. I think it might be a step too far, but we've got ambitions to really kind of try and hit that top eight, top six as soon as. So if you're in that bracket. A thirty million pound player on the bench is not something that's particularly particularly novel. Do you know what I mean? No, Lots I of those top clubs will have thirty million players on the bench. They have thirty million players sat in the stands. So I don't think, and and Gerard won't. I don't know he has in, in in recent weeks tried to play the two, but he won't put him in there just because Villa spent a lot of money in in there. If he thinks the blend's not right. And I think the evidence that we've seen so far suggests that the blend is not right. We, you know, then Ings is a brilliant player to have on the bench. And I think, I mean, I don't know Danny Ings, but I think he's the, the top character who would would understand that. You know, he might not want to want to be be playing that second fiddle role for more than a se- you know for a, an entire season or whatever. But that keeps Ollie Watkins. Sharp to me. If they both know they're going to get in the in the team, regardless, subconsciously yeah. a bit of complacency could set in. But if you know that you're Watkins and you know you've gone three games without scoring or whatever, and you've got somebody who's been one of the most prolific strikers in the Premier League in the last five or six years, breathing down your neck, it keeps you up there. And likewise, you're Danny Ings and you get an opportunity to get back in that team. You think, oh my God, Ollie Watkins is on the bench. I think it's a really healthy position to be in. With with one one backing up the other, depending on on you know the, the circumstances, rather than putting them both in the team and immediately putting both in the team, one of them is being compromised because they're going to play in a role that's not their their first choice role. I think all you, all that you've said is fair, but at the moment you look at it and go, well, yeah, you've got Watkins playing and you've got Ings playing. who are supposed to be these clinical strikers. Ings proven, Watkins scored however many it was last season. Neither score at the moment. So if you're Watkins playing and not scoring a goal, is Danny Ings going to feel harsh to be dropped down to the bench? How do you pick one at the moment? I think Ash said on a previous episode that if you could kind of blend the two together, you've got this elite striker there. Oli Watkins is great for work, right? Stamina, pressing, all that kind of thing. But I think there has to be a lim- uh, kind of a limit where you say he's a striker and he needs to score goals. And he will score goals in time. I understand that. It's just going through a little bit of a patch at the moment. Whereas Ings... During the games, I don't want to kind of compare him to Darren Bent, but I'm going to do that because I can't think of anyone else. If he's in and around the box and he gets the service, Ings will finish more than Watkins, I think. Like you said, Watkins feels a little bit clumsy in possession sometimes, needs three or four touches to get a shot away. The shot he had today was straight at De Gea and it's weak and I think he's trying to curl it, but he puts, puts it straight at the keeper and you think put your foot through it. If Ings had Watkins, no, if Watkins had Ings' finishing, he'd be a great striker. If Ings was more involved in games like Watkins was, is Villa are a better side for it because Ings doesn't do the same work that Watkins does for the system. I'm not trying to, to excuse it because we have got two goal scorers who we want to be scoring more goals, but... It ain't that long ago since Steve Bruce was throwing Chris Samba up front in the last. Yeah, I know that, but we've we've moved on since that now, though. No, but I I know, but 
we've got a game. We got we could we could bring Coutinho off the bench today. You're not going to get everything right all in one go. This is a new manager who's had two months to work with this team, and I think as well we we know has has, has made a positive impact. You say how, which one does he choose? He chooses the one that impresses him most in training every single day. Uh, and I think it probably will be Watkins, but I just think he gives him that 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 little bit more mobility and that that little bit more, you know what I mean, tempo and. and but again, I don't think it's weird because Watkins probably would miss more chances than Ings, but he's in the position to to miss more chances than Ings. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you might as well think, well, if Watkins gets gets three chances in a game, he'll score one. Danny Ings might only get three chances in three games. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a massive problem. We've got that that let's just say he goes Watkins against Everton. That front three. And I know we're a different villa than than the one I mentioned of, of Steve Bruce's villa again. Well, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? That, that uh, yeah that even potential. you don't even have to go back that far and it's Trezeguet, Wesley El Ghazi. That's pathetic in comparison to Casino, Buendia, Watkins. Yeah. I mean, we've not even talked about Buendia really much, but I think that was probably one of his best games um, for us as well. He's, he's starting to show that, I mean, we knew there was talent there, but he's starting to show it now on the pitch as well, which is it's obviously good to see. Just on Watkins, just to finish, so we've gone slightly longer than I thought we would. If X club come in in the, in the summer and offer 40 million, do you accept that for Wally Watkins and, and try and go big on another striker? And Ings is then back up to new man. Well, you don't know what's going on with Villa at the moment, dear. You? you know, you could sell Ollie Watkins for forty million, and then Gerard would try and get Harland in or something for one hundred and fifty million. You, you don't know, dear. You only sell him if you think you can improve on him. You know, people have yeah. said you need to upgrade on Tyro Mings, which that's fine if you've got somebody who is an upgrade on 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 Tyro Mings. Why would you sell him? You know, he's still he's still a, a young man, still got the prime of his career above him. He's he's learning the Premier League every single match and every single week and every single month. So I'm very much of the, the opinion that you kind of, you coach players, you improve players, you, you get them to where you, you need to be. If if Steven Gerrard thinks that Ollie Watkins can't play in the top eight of the Premier League, then I'm sure he'll, he'll move him on and bring him in with someone, someone better. I think Ollie Watkins can play in the top eight of the Premier League. So until somebody better presents himself, I wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't sell him. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know whether this is up to date. I assume it is. Ollie Watkins has got five goals in the Premier League so far in seventeen starts, according to the Premier League website, as of twenty-one fifty-one on Saturday night. Yeah. How many goals would he have to score in the remaining remaining? I think it's eighteen games for you to say that he's had a good season. How many people have outscored Ollie Watkins in the Premier League? There can't be. There can't be more than That's seven, right? With more than six goals, can there? Salah's got sixteen. <laughs> Yogo Jota's got 10, Vardy 9, Emmanuel Dennis 8, Antonio 8, Ronaldo 8, Son 8, oh there is quite a few, Emil Smith-Rowe 8, Rafinha 8, Mane 8, Mount 7, Conor Gallagher 7, Bruno Fernandes, boo, 7. <laughs> yeah, okay then, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. stop there, you're only on 7, Watkins on 5. You'd want Watkins now, I think. I know, like as I said, Villa struggled at the start of the season, so it's again, it's difficult to just go, oh, he should be on X number by now. I think you'd want Watkins on 9 or, or 10 at this yeah, stage of the on, season. You'd want him on 10 by now, but I think if he, you know, Watkins on 5. It's on 5, so the rest of the season, he's got to get 10 to, to match last season, hasn't he? 
in less games. Yeah, so let's just let's just say Villa have just probably passed the halfway point of the season, haven't they, in terms of games in the last couple of games? Played twenty now, I think. Let's let, let's beat more than he got in the first five. Let's let's beat more than he got in the first half. Let's get eight. I think if he got eight goals in the second half of the season, it'd be it'd be a decent return. I mean, Gabby Bonahor is our Premier League record goal scorer, and he used to average about kind of one point one point three goals a season, didn't he, or something like that. <laughs> So I'm I'm excited about Villa at the moment. Um, so I'm probably seeing good in most people, um, mm. but it doesn't happen very often, does it? Because I'm, I'm normally quite cynical. So um, let me enjoy it. Let me enjoy the, yeah, the thrill, yeah. of, thrill of shutting up those manks. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's difficult. Like I said, I think Watkins better suits the system that Gerald wants to play. So. He might not individually get as many goals as last season, but if Villa played better because of it, you kind of say, well, he's done his job, whereas Ings might score 10 goals individually. But if we struggle as a side because of it, you kind of think, well, what, what's the trade-off there? What would you prefer Villa to be better with a worse striker or, or, the, or the opposite of that? A lot of the comments on YouTube, on YouTube are saying that Rafa's been sacked, but I've not seen anything official from Everton just yet. But I imagine he won't be there for us next, next week and it'll be, what, Ferguson in charge? Yeah, well, that, that's normally... We're normally cast in, in the role of playing struggling team back into form, aren't we? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that'd be sod's law. Well, Amor won't be able to play, will he? No, Amor's on loan, so he won't be able to play. There's a few people suggested that maybe there's some kind of gentleman's agreement that Dean won't be able to play, but I'd be amazed if Villa put that into a permanent transfer. That's just... don't know. Don't see that. Yeah, well, how long do that? Every, every, every season? <laughs> I know, just because we happen to be playing them next week, there'll be always some clause in there to say that you can't play. But I mean, Everton have run horrifically, so I'd be amazed if they put that in their side as well. So Dean will play, El Ghazi won't. I don't know whether El Ghazi featured for them today in their defeat to, to Norwich. I mean, defeat to Norwich, that's, that's grim, isn't it, for Everton at the moment? Um, if Rafa's still there, I absolutely fancy our chances. That'll definitely be a bit buoyed if he's gone by then, but I still think we've got enough to beat them. I think we're done, aren't we? I think so, mate. Yeah, I'm going to go and have me tea, I think. I, I tell you this time. I know. It's late though, isn't it? I'm not a fan of the R5 kickoffs. No, nah, I'm not. Rubbish, aren't they? R5. I've had my COVID Christmas. I've not had a drink since the 23rd of December until last night. Oh. So I've really discovered the taste for it. I'm on a bit of the old um, Brewdog Elvis juice. So if anybody wants to send me, send me any of this, then God bless you. <laughs> Well, we'll end it there. <laughs> Matt, thank you very much for, for joining me as always. Uh, 50 minutes of post-match chat. So yeah, we've gone for longer than we thought. There's lots to talk about. Um, we're back in the week with with something. I don't know what. Well, there'll be some kind of podcast on Tuesday or Wednesday, I would have thought. And then it's the Everton game at half 12 away from home next week on Saturday. So we'll do another one of these Saturday afternoon as long as you're free, I would have thought. Match of the day is on shortly, says Josh. So go and enjoy that and watch Villas come back again. Um, skip the first 60 minutes though. It's definitely not worth it. Thank you very much for everyone who tuned in this podcast and we'll catch you again next week thank you for listening to Claret and Blue an Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa up the villa